You're listening to IoT Leaders, a podcast from SI that shares real IoT stories from the field about digital transformation swings and misses, lessons learned, and innovation strategies that work. In each episode, you'll hear our conversations with top digitization leaders on how IoT is changing the world for the better. Let IoT leaders be your guide to IoT, digital transformation, and innovation. Let's get into the show. So, Mark, uh, welcome to the IoT Leaders Podcast. I've been waiting all of my life for this this one <laughs> opportunity to be an IoT leader. I've well, been an IoT follower for all these yeah, years. Well, let, let's maybe I'll ask you the question at the, at the end of this in about 40 minutes of whether it was worth it. And just to explain to our listeners, um, so Mark is um, has a new title, so I'm going to read it out here. He's in, he is the global distributed cloud and edge leader for IBM, which is very impressive, uh, Mark. And I know you're based in Boston, Massachusetts area. And we're going to get into all of that, what it means, your role, uh, relationship with SI, where you think the market is right now, where we're going to go in the future. But before we do that, one thing I always like to do on these podcasts is uh, uh, have the audience uh, get to know the guests so uh, here's the uh, opening uh, opportunity. So um, can you give us all just a brief potted history of um, Mark Thurman? Uh, let's just say- The man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend, uh, college onwards in a yeah. brief period of time. Uh, first of all, thanks very much, uh, truly, for having me on. I, I've uh, watched several others of these uh, podcasts and. As you know, because you're a guest on my podcast, right. um, podcasts have really taken off. And I think they're a very valuable way to convey in a conversational manner, you know, what's going on or, you know, uh, ideate on the topic. So I think this is a great thing to do. And I do appreciate being invited. Um, my college education was all around being a piano performance major, as, as I think we've talked about yeah. uh, informally, which uh, was absolutely no use for what I'm doing now. Um, uh, during and since college, what I've been doing is working uh, from a, uh, for a number of not only startups, but large uh, technology and telco uh, firms, including a, a startup or two that I've done. I uh, managed to, I believe I, I added up, I've raised about 24, 25 million, either as the primary or as the secondary contributor for multiple startups back in the day when 22 to 25 million was real money. Um, so I was the founder and CEO of a company uh, back about 20 years ago called Airprint Networks, which we took from cradle to, um, you know, neutral exit, uh, which was all around, uh, and it was an IoT company, was all around secure document management, leveraging printers as an endpoint, pre-smartphone. Uh, we brought on a team of folks, ex-Polaroid, where I'd also worked. Following that, I uh, worked for uh, GTE and her networking, which was acquired by Verizon. GTE was, uh, or what was GTE and her networking was interesting because it was the company that uh, uh, brought in Bolp, Rannick, and Newman, BBNN, which, aside from all the US political jokes around politicians inventing the internet, actually was the firm that uh, lit up the first internet connections. Not Al Gore. I'm dead. Not Al Gore. Definitely not Al Gore. It was a bunch of very smart people. And you can read about it in a, a book from New York Times author, author Katie Hafner called Where Wizards Stay Up Late. 
Uh, a lot of those folks literally turned on the first east to west node, and I ended up ended up working at that company until its acquisition. I was at Vodafone, where I looked after our Verizon partnership uh, and was given a, a few other responsibilities to lead teams in uh, working with the channels and working with other operators like our friends at TELUS in Canada. Uh, then I um, did my own uh, consultancy working with Amazon Web Services and uh, a market and data analytics firm and a few other firms for a number of years doing thought leadership in IoT global strategy. Uh, began engaging with IBM and came on full-time on uh, at the beginning of last year, so January 2021, looking after Connected Edge strategy in the consulting group. And as I, as I think you kind of touched on, I've just this week moved into the cloud group looking after, again, Connected Edge and working with industrial and, and telco and, and other sectors. Now, the thing I'll highlight is that IBM has been in the IoT business for a long time. We've had uh, an IoT platform called Watson IoT and other things, um, but we don't. We've been categorizing IoT in different ways, and we can certainly iterate on this. But uh, edge is the IBM word, it seems, for IoT and other things. And what I'm learning, and again, we can talk about it because uh, ASI is all about connecting things at the edge. Yeah. Is that um, the definition of edge has expanded, but that's me. The other thing I had mentioned is in addition to my work life, I work very closely in the academic world with a number of groups. I am a guest lecturer at Tufts University, which is a top university here in the yeah. Boston area. I've uh, been the chairman of the Connected Things Conference, which we run annually at MIT, uh, eight, nine years of that. I've given guest lectures at, at MIT as well, at Boston University, at University of Southern California in the, uh, believe it or not, in the medical school, because we were talking about connecting medical devices. Uh, so it, this is a, a topic and a, a subject area that I enjoy talking about. Um, I find it very valuable. I'm also an IBM speaker, so I get to speak at major conferences. So uh, where you and I saw each other last in Barcelona at Mobile World, Mobile Congress. World Congress, you were busy. You were a busy boy, as we say over here. I was you very were... busy. Spoke, yeah. I think, four times. Yeah. So I'm a yeah. frequent offender on the speaker circuit as well. Oh, well, lastly, if you'll allow it, I also sure. host a podcast with my partner called Failure the Podcast. And at some point, hopefully soon, the uh, Nick Earl debut on Failure the Podcast, which is an informal, not technology-focused podcast, will emerge from editing. And yeah, I was going to say, I have already recorded it. I came off the phone and said to my wife, she said, how was it? I said, I have no idea what just happened. Um, let, let, let me just say, and I mean this in a complimentary way, let me just say I'm hoping to uh, apply a little more structure uh, to this podcast, but, but it was great fun. What, you know, with that sort of background, I mean, boy, you did very well to squeeze that into about two minutes. Um, you do have a very varied uh, and um, uh, sort of uh, going across different parts of IoT world and, and computing and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that leads me uh, into really asking you the first question as we get into this, which is from an IoT perspective, and we're gonna get into the IBM side of things, but from an IoT perspective, many of us, myself included, have been involved 10, 15, I mean, even, M2M, I mean, you know, SCADA. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the factory floor automation. I mean, we can go back 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, and we'll probably stop there. Um, but um, although we could go back further. Um, so where are we? I mean, where, where do you think the market is right now? Because so many people have said they want to do this, but are, you know, so few people have succeeded relative to the potential of, of this that we've been aware right. of for so long. So first of all, uh, the term IoT, Internet of Things, did actually emerged from the MIT Media Lab where I run my conference. Um, and a, a guy called Kevin Ashton is credited with coining the phrase. And it's worth looking up um, how he came up with it, but I'll, I'll note, and he's quoted widely on this topic, it was about 22 years ago when he came up with that. Um, he notes that he actually came up with it very quickly to put a title on a PowerPoint deck that he was, that he was doing. And he, at, that at that point, the term internet was sexy. So he thought if I put internet, okay, internet of things, that's what, yeah, you know. Right. I, I never heard that story. So that was that the True. time when Nicholas Negroponte was running the MIT? Um, it was actually. Yeah, because I remember that uh, from back in the day. So he basically wanted a catchy title for us. So this whole right. industry that we're in came out of a guy wanting something that was cool and sexy for a title. Right. And I'm fond of saying that Internet of Things, um, it doesn't necessarily mean things on the Internet. And actually, you know, I, I don't want to back into what Asai does, but I, I, I recall from our many technical conversations that in many cases, most cases, you don't want your things on the internet. And I know your uh, yeah, technology- Yeah, actually say we don't terminate on the internet because it's, right. you need encrypted data, APNs. And so it's actually it, 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 things not on the internet. It's just not as catchy an acronym, is it? Well, that's right. And I know when we were at Vodafone, um, <laughs> we switched over from M to M, machine to machine, to IoT, uh, because that became sort of the uh, term of art of that era. So I'm talking about eight, nine years ago. Uh, initially, you know, when I started at Vodafone, we called it Vodafone M2M. Now it's called Vodafone IoT. So I think the, um, the, the, and I think a lot of folks have a problem, and I'll get into your question, with the, the use of the term IoT, because they still think they're, that, that it's just a visible thing accessible off the internet. And if, if you've put your things on the inter internet, little, little pro tip, you failed because it, it will be seen quickly and compromised. So the professional, you know, uh, implementations are not uh, accessible on on the internet, the so-called internet. You know, I, I, it, that is a good, really good way of looking at it, actually, because um, it, I think it helps explain something that we have talked about on previous um, podcasts. And I know you've spoken about as well, uh, is that people think that Oh, well, it, it is the Internet of Things. And I already have a thing that, that I can connect to the Internet. It's called my cell phone. So actually, it's just things with a it, with a SIM card in uh, and that are connected to the Internet. And of course, that's where and that's exactly what it isn't, and yeah. because it, it, it just doesn't work. It's one of the principal reasons why why um, adoption has been held back, because it is nowhere near as um, uh, just putting your uh, a SIM in a, in a device. And anyway, those devices have all had millions of dollars have been spent on them to pre-design them, to certify them, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And most people have right. their own hardware. And, and you know, um, so you, you would say from an adoption point of view, does that mean that we're, uh, as the um, Americans would say, we're at the, uh, 
bottom of the first, a bottom of the second, which for non-Americans is a baseball term. Uh, well, for some of for some of us Americans, I don't even know the baseball terms, but <laughs> I, I will. Uh, it's that's not my thing. But um, chasm. Yes, there was a book that came out by a guy called Jeffrey Moore uh, called Crossing the Chasm. Yeah, uh, ninety-one time frame, and I actually had the opportunity to meet him a number of years ago at a conference. Very, actually, I met him and Dr. Ruth Westheimer, who's known as a famous TV sex therapist. Uh, at the same uh, where time, where are we going here, Mark? There could be children. This, this, this is as children. far as we're going to go. <laughs> Don't worry. But I, 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 I do first recall parents of a sex therapist on the IoT Leaders podcast, by the way. And, and you know, she's about three feet tall, and he's a you know regular sized human. But I, I, I saw him present at a conference, and and I was fortunate to have dinner with the two of them together, and it was. The most uh, interesting dinner I still, I mean, I recall it, you know, 25 years later, but he wrote a book and several books actually on the topic of, you know, the technology ad adoption cycle. And, you know, it, it, we've all seen it. It's a, it's a curve. And then he's got a little piece cut out after the second uh, segment. And he calls that the chasm. Yeah. And he's identified, as I recall pro uh, properly, um, that that chasm is where a lot of products or a lot of offerings sort of stop. They get stuck in the chasm. How do you cross over to get to the option main street? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he and he taught me a shortcut, um, which I've remembered also to this day, to remembering the technology adop adoption cycle. So for uh look it up for those listening and watching. Um, but the shortcut is why try buy fly and die Ooh. so and this is true i got this from jeffrey moore himself i'm sure he's presented it publicly but i i recall it i've written it down so where are we your question is where are we in the iot adoption cycle i think we're we're in the beginning of the third segment which i've identified as the buy segment yes um i think we've had the why why do i do it why? we've had the why for a while yeah and i think we're out of that I know you've written and uh, spoken extensively on on whether or not we're stalled, yeah. and I know you've referenced. I think with Cisco's numbers that we're going to have, you know, fifty billion devices, and we're only at uh, nineteen or twenty three, depending on which yeah. um, which analyst you look at. Yeah. Um, I would contend that um, we're at the early part of buy, and I I would contend that we've crossed the chasm for a variety of reasons. The edges become prevalent uh, communication capabilities are now ubiquitous. Cellular is probably still the way to go over Wi-Fi or, or fixed. 5G, and I've just returned from a 5G conference last week uh, that Qualcomm hosted. Um, I'm convinced that 5G, which has which is an umbrella uh, standard that has underneath it fallback to 4G LTE and support of you know, narrowband and even Wi-Fi, I'm convinced that 5G is is really going to drive things. Uh, I forget the number right now, but the vast majority of large telcos globally have adopted or begun to adopt 5G as their you know path forward, and we'll see that for a number of years. And I think in the IoT world, you know, you've got you know, this notion of massive IoT that a lot of the analysts talk about. Yeah, I think we're we're at the little uh, just for people listening, like little labels, almost like printable labels for, uh, yes. for devices, so you can track 
uh, a, a, a food a chocolate bar or, or a small uh, That's right. massive. So instead of 50 million, 500 million or a trillion uh, devices and the data from all of those. That's um, right. And it is all about the data. The graphic behind my head. For those of you watching, it uh, doesn't mean much for those of you listening, but the idea of, for those of you watching is, is the idea will. of data from everything in one huge network. Yeah. That's right. So this notion of, of a, a temporary device rather than a, a permanent device, so a printable, flexible device that can go on, you know, uh, vaccines, to, you know, to monitor, yeah. you know, uh, cold chain uh, type applications. There, I, I mean, it, it's just the the cost of the sensors, the cost of the network, the cost of the underlying, you know, uh, nuts and bolts has gone down significantly. Also, there's a greater understanding out there in the systems integration world and the, you know, application world that, you know, connecting things in order to get interesting data is very important. I think um, I just saw a Gartner statistic that's a year or so old that says something like 75% of all data will now be processed at the edge. Yeah, yeah. So you've got this, this migration from all these things are just blasting data up to the cloud. Now the clouds come to the edge and you know only the things that need to be sent up, you know, the deltas, if you will, I think are, 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 are being looked at as, as being sent up to the cloud. Uh, so it's it, it, this is the shift that we're seeing. We're seeing uh, industrial clients and enterprise clients actually get on board and get on board in a big way, uh, which is sort of IBM's sweet spot is industrial and, and, and enterprise. So as a result, um, you know, we're teaming up, Nick, with your firm, as you know, to uh, find ways to help connect things at the edge. Right. And, and so that leads us nicely onto the, the next big subject. And, 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 and perhaps I can just comment on the, on the uh, previous one before we go there. Um, you know, there's nothing new um, under the sun, as the Italians, uh, uh, what's an Italian tour guide? Who just what, 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 was that the Italians? Yeah, nothing new under the sun, nothing new under the sun. And, you know, in, in IT, there's nothing new. Um, yes. Because, you know, we went from mainframe to mainframes and minis and then mainframes to minis to mainframe minis and PCs. And then and then we added the Internet. And then we added the mobile phone. And all we've done is we pushed the definition of the edge further out. And now it's things. But each each iteration was at least one order of magnitude greater number of things. And with IoT and massive IoT, it's arguably two orders, if not three orders of magnitude uh, greater. And at the same time, as you say, the applications move outwards. Um, uh, which means edge processing and um, managing applications at the edge uh, is uh, and, uh, is where the where the processing meets the sensors is is absolutely um, critical. And be, and before we get on to the relationship between IBM and um, SI, um, that you mentioned five G, um, and you mentioned you you covered a lot of stuff very quickly there, but but there's the whole thing of um, you know, uh, everything in a factory will be connected. I mean, literally, you know, or a mine or an oil refinery. There could That's be, right. There could be 10 million things connected on an oil rig. I mean, you know, and there are thousands yeah. of oil rigs. Anything and everything. That's right. Anything and everything. And 5G also um, uh, means that what today, uh, and I think people, people get the factory tip, but then you say to them, well, but everything that's in your office could come off Wi-Fi and people... So I don't think that's as well understood that, that 5G, private 5G networks will be implemented by large companies. 
yes. and offered by mobile network operators. But today you're using a, a Cisco wireless access point, say, uh, as I am right now um, for my laptop here in our office, but um, that's going over your corporate network. Um, but, but with 5G, you could well be using a private or public 5G capability uh, for your office uh, so that so that actually things are going to move from the corporate network into a 5G environment. So it's not just new deployments at the edge, it's existing things like your printer or your laptop uh, could well move. And so uh, orchestrating connectivity between Wi-Fi, private 5G, public 5G, uh, going to the edge is, is going to be a big architectural challenge. And I guess that leads to the opportunity for IBM because what we're what we're talking about here is a and I'd like your view on this interested in that the, the a massive opportunity for companies to re-engineer their business processes their manufacturing their supply chain their warranty process their their data architecture uh just a massive opportunity and I guess from a IBM and particularly IBM consulting IBM software products this represents a, a huge opportunity for IBM, doesn't it? I, I think it does. Uh, you know, if you look at factories, uh, uh, factory equipment for decades have been connected within the four walls of a factory, primarily fixed. So, you know, cables, Ethernet cables, uh, then uh, uh, Wi-Fi, which gave some added flexibility to reconfigure uh, a, a production line or move equipment around. Um, what 5G, I think, is 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 providing is greater flexibility coupled with greater security. I know from working with working with and for several telcos, the notion of a managed service offering uh, from telcos is what they do. I mean, telcos do two or three things really well, and by extension, you know, folks like like your firm, you know, you provide connectivity, you handle billing. Billing is very complex, so you can account for what's being done. Um, and, and you provide security. Um, there are, I, I can tell you, having been at the network operation centers of several large telcos, um, there are people 724, 365, making sure that the network is always operational and is, you know, as secure as, as possibly can be. So I think what, what, uh, what's happening now with 5G is you've got the secure managed capability with you know massive um, uh, capacity and you know faster throughput, lower latency, um, and lots of flexibility. Not everything has to be you know full on. You know, uh, let me open the pipe and and throw tons of bits at 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 an application. Some some of the you know massive applications are low data rate applications. Think agriculture. Think you know some light asset tracking where every now and then you just need to check in. And that can be accommodated, I think, quite easily with all forms of 5G. So uh, narrow band or CAD M1 is now part of that as well. So I think we've got some um, interesting opportunities in, in, in the enterprise and in the industrial world. And again, IBM's sweet spot has been the largest corporations and governmental uh, organizations and industrial clients. Uh, you know, all the major factories, I think all the major corporations, we tend to have some footprint whether it's just on our you know it side where we might be helping with salesforce or some of the other or sap uh deployments um uh from there to you know actually helping on the industrial 
you know, industry 4.0 side where we've got quite a presence. Right. And, and from our perspective, and as you mentioned at the beginning, we, we have a, we, the two firms <clears throat> have a, a pretty close uh, relationship around yes. go to market in front of clients. And, and, and you brought the two areas into it there. You talked about IT and the industrial IT, um, IoT, um, and the idea of saying the people, large companies in particular, um, uh, it, it, they want a, a single architecture that, that takes all this data from the millions of things in the factory or whatever, uh, the edge aggregation, so that's the outside layer, then you've got the uh, edge aggregation, so you may have uh, LoRa, BLE, Bluetooth, right. um, uh, satellite, um, uh, low earth satellite, whatever, and you've got the sensor information coming into the aggregation device, you've got 80% of the applications being processed um, at the edge, so you need to manage those applications, which comes back to uh, IBM capabilities, uh, such as extension of Red Hat uh, to the edge and, and uh, Docker Kubernetes application management um, uh, at the edge, network function virtualization right. um, at, at the edge. And then you've got the, the, the backhaul of it over cellular into the IT architecture. But before you get there, you've got the hybrid cloud uh, right. uh, interface where people will have a world of many clouds. Well, and, and we and we have something called cloud satellite, which is not uh, uh, satellite like the things in the in the sky that help manage and orchestrate between you know workloads between on-premise uh, workloads and the hyperscalers and IBM's own cloud. So yeah. we we have some interesting capabilities to you know containerize everything, you know, leveraging a lot of cool IBM technology. And I'm not even sure if people realize that IBM continues to be an, a very innovative company that is really at the at the forefront, especially, you know, we own Red Hat, we've been doing quite a lot with them, even though they run as an independent enterprise. But all those technologies are available to us to help solve problems. And that's what we're 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 here to do is to be essential and solve client problems ultimately. Yeah, and 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 that's what I was getting at because you know we're just describing it at a very high level, the way I describe that network architecture, on the one hand, it's complex because it's fragmenting and it's so like the big bang theory. I mean, it's the universe expanding and new planets forming. And you have to have an architecture model and policy from the center to the edge. You have to have network uh, level uh, SDN, software-defined networking capabilities. On the one hand, it's it's really complex and you can pe see people say, oh my word, it's, it's, it's too complex. I, I won't cross the chasm, I'll wait on the left bank if you like. Yeah. On the other hand, if you have a partner that can put an architecture together end to end that says, look, this is how you can take advantage of this. The opportunities for efficiency and creating new experiences for customers are absolutely huge. And our own view is that we're an enabler of that, but actually from a customer point of view, a lot of the big projects will be driven by global systems integrators and especially people who have deep technical knowledge as you're pointing out that you have. I mean, it's not just Red Hat, but the, the software portfolio and you know, the, the tens of billions of dollars that you, you do as a company with the, with the largest corporations in the world are, are tremendous assets to enable people to move and embrace this world which is part of the what did he call it the the buy phase if the yes. big companies if the big companies can get across that chasm and we agree you talked about this in previous podcasts we agree that we're into you know we've said once you enable interoperability around a common standard 
you hit the inflection point of adoption. And I think that's where we are. And that's eSIM, EUICC that we talked that's about. Right. Well, because, because Nick, I'll interject. eSIM gives corporations control. Yes. And, and that's that's a key element. That's what they want. That's what I think the missing piece was to allow us to cross the chasm was giving an enterprise or an industrial firm control over how they you know communicate where you know what providers and again I, I'm sure you've talked about this on on many other podcasts but you know the notion of providing control from trusted partners is really what's going to get us we're already beyond the chasm I agree with that which is I think uh, the the buy phase why try buy phase buy I think uh, uh, Jeffrey Moore called the early majority if I recall mm -hmm. the the, uh, the the proper uh, term for the the uh, this cycle that's going to last us, I think, a very long time because we're beyond experimentation. We're beyond POCs. I'm sure you've talked about POC hell for the technology vendor community. I think we're beyond POCs. We, you know, we're actually onto deployments. I mean, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it today that we're now deploying. But the other thing I, I, I want to comment on very very quickly is what IBM's also good at. We're you know we've got. Uh, systems integration capabilities, fantastic technology, unbelievable research. I forget how many PhD researchers we have in IBM research. And I know we're the largest filer of uh, patents globally, um, but we're also very good at partnering. So we've got large partnerships, all of which have been announced in the past, you know, with very key firms. And IBM, I think, realizes rightly that, you know, especially in IoT, this is a team sport. No one firm has all of the answers. Uh, for example, we didn't have a connectivity capability. To me, to get into, you know, really scaling up connected edge capability, or connected edge deployments, you need the connected part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of. It kind of if your TV doesn't uh, doesn't receive the signal, it doesn't matter. You can't watch anything. Well, because we're waiting for the thing to be connected in order to do all the other wonderful things. So again, I think it, it's made some sense for our two companies to team up to go pursue very large opportunities or you know, uh, IoT opportunities in enterprise and in the industrial segment to you know, kind of move things along quickly, solve the problem in, in the cases where uh, uh, firms want to you know, uh, work with their existing commercial arrangement with other operators, we can accommodate that through your platform. And I think it, that's kind of the right, the right messaging. I think the right, the right stuff is let's go get this thing done. We've got all the capabilities. We give you the control and we've got a simplified approach to the market. And that little phrase you just used there, we give you the control. Um, sometimes it's hard to see the wood from the trees and see what the pattern is, but, but, you know, cause we're so close to it. Sometimes you miss um uh, I, i'm just thinking of the have you seen that video where the guy's bouncing the uh, basketball and the, the the gorilla walks across the screen and then you say to people afterwards um uh, did you see the gorilla and you tell them to count the basketball uh, uh bounces and then and the gorilla walks waves at the camera and walks off it's a very famous video and then you say to them uh, did you see the gorilla and like 90 percent of people didn't see the gorilla and i use that as an analogy of Sometimes you're so close to things and you're concentrating on things, you miss the really big thing. And I think right. the really big thing is, is this is, is a technology-enabled shift of power in that for years and years and years, the game or the business model, the, the ecosystem was essentially 
the a, a series of proprietary stacks. I work, he said he worked for Vodafone, fantastic company. We work very closely with Vodafone, but Vodafone have a proprietary sim with a proprietary MZ, as does every of the 820 mobile network operators. And so, so the the control of the switch, the RSP, the remote sim provisioning, um, was essentially controlled by the person who's got the, their sim into your device first. The 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 gorilla in my analogy um, is the the moment you then say what if the enterprise control the switch, That's and right. what if the sim was agnostic, uh, but could connect to anybody? And our model, of course, is just is not roaming as 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 you know, but but is around you know the ability to currently localize onto fourteen uh, mobile network operators via a user control switch. So it's a fundamental shift of control or power from a series of proprietary stacks to a model where a user says, well, I want to do my own IoT and I want to do 5G, 4G, down to narrow band. And I actually want control of the switch. I, I you know, could I have control of the switch? And so I can set my own rules. That's right. And, and eSIM in the UICC enables that. And as you rightly say, that is probably, I think when we look back, People will draw these charts and they'll say, oh, it really took off the inflection point. And they'll talk about COVID and, and whatever. But, but, but they'll say from a technology point of view, when we enabled true interoperability between operators, agnostic interoperability, a, a federated orchestration, um, and at the same time gave users the control over the switch, this is the point at which the market really exploded and right. certainly that's our belief and our and our philosophy um so we we could talk for hours i wanted to just go to another area which is okay so let's assume for the moment uh that we've just crossed the chasm uh we're into the um uh the people who are going to uh main street you know the tornado uh jeffrey moore puts the tornado yeah. he, he also talked about gorillas he had one called i think the gorilla game he did yeah i well, oh, I, went, I i <laughs> I, I, well, when I was based in the US, I got to know Jeff uh, really, really well. And I think three of a brilliant guy uh, still practicing. In fact, one of our shareholders is SI runs TCG, the Chasm Group in in um, in EMEA. So we actually have a, a major <coughs> share. Uh, that well, if you talk to Jeffrey, ask him about uh, the Dr. Ruth dinner. He'll remember it. <laughs> okay, well, let's not tell that story on this podcast. I never know where you're going to there, go. There, there, there's, not, there's nothing... Nothing um, <laughs> incendiary about about that. Just she's an awfully nice lady. I won't go through the topic. Okay, Doctor Ruth. Uh, well, I'll ask. I'll ask our shareholder to ask 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 uh, ask Jeff. But where I was going to go is is around where's it going to go? If you assume that there's a technology enabler, yes, that essentially enables user the shift of power uh, choice to the user. And interoperability, which drives down costs and increased choice. So great around a common standard, uh, EUICC. So that's great. So finally, finally, after 20, 30 years, we got that component. We cross the chasm, you start to get mass adoption. The question then, the mass adoption is a long curve, not just because there's tens of millions, billions of things that will be connected, but because you then start to be able to be able to do things other than just um, uh, 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 things as such. So, so for instance, you, you mentioned robots, but again, we, 
you know, it, uh, and we mentioned, uh, say, you know, yeah, well, I was saying we mentioned candy bar wrappers, as you call it, sweet wrappers. But then you start thinking about, yeah, drones, uh, for example. I mean, it literally is everything being connected. So what, what's well, your view on yeah, so my view, my, in a few years' time? Yeah, so, you know, we've got new ingest points now. The Edge now has legs, if you will. The Edge has wings. Those are kind of two ways to look at. The Edge actually can swim. So uh, I've now I've been working on projects around uh, ingesting data from these new kinds of moving sensors. So underwater, you'll have uh, UAVs, underwater drones that are able to compile data uh, relevant to, you know, uh, whatever the uh, industry is that has stuff underwater. We're seeing uh, quite a lot. Um, IBM's done quite a lot with Boston Dynamics, who have uh, this wonderful uh, robot called Spot. You can hear all about it, read all about it if you come to a major conference and IBM has a stand, you can assume that there'll be a, a, a yellow robot walking around because we, we, you know, it really, it's a very big uh, engagement for us, a very big pursuit. And then, you know, you're looking at, we're looking at drones now. One of the panels I was on in Barcelona was a drone panel. And, uh, you know, key companies are, are now wanting to do things like inspect infrastructure, inspect, uh, you know, bridges, inspect buildings. Mm-hmm. Tragically, here in the U.S., roughly a year ago, they had a, a large building collapse in Miami, Florida. What if one could inspect the building very quickly and easily with a, a drone that's tied into you know I, IoT ingest points and is able to build a digital twin of the building so that you can kind of take a look without digging into the building itself, you know, where are some possible stress fractures, if you will? Where are some points where the building might have failures uh so again this is an extension from you know again you go go way back you know a device was connected on a fixed network inside the four walls of the factory or in a vending machine or whatever the early early uh iot m2m use cases were we now have relatively inexpensive edge devices that fly that swim that you know uh, perambulate on their own and that's that's something that's new um, this notion that you can take a, a connected robot that can go and go where humans can't because it's dangerous yeah. or it's tedious. I'm thinking nuclear power plants for inspection. I'm thinking, you know, uh, places where there might be uh, noxious, yeah, noxious gases, war zones, exactly, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm just seeing. I'm even just seeing of industrial applications where. I can see if the gauge is in the wrong spot and send yeah. it in yeah. and then and then do something with it. It's more than just a roving camera. Uh, in the case of uh, the spot uh, robot, there's a you can have an arm on it that can grasp and turn and can look at the gauge, notify the human that there's this thing's out of uh, out of the standard and, you know, close the uh, close the leak, if you will. So there's there's some very very interesting use cases where again the edge now walks flies and swims which is not something you could have said or would have said a while back. I like that phrase. I I, I haven't heard that. Um, and what was going through my mind as we finish off here is, um, on the one hand, we talk about getting rid of the siloed proprietary stacks, but that's really on cellular. 
and you virtualize the switch in the cloud, which is what we do. Right. You make it agnostic across all the world's operators, and you say, okay, well now everybody can play together through a, a abstracted right. federated layer. But then what you say is, well, hang on a second, that's only cellular, Nick. So that's public, public um, uh, cellular wrap types. And then you got private you know, people buying their own spectrum, right? Um, uh, independent companies offering services um, uh, out, out with, you know, bypassing the mobile network operators. And then you say, well, that's even then that's only a fraction because you've got um, BLE, you've got Laura. Uh, I would say Six Fox, Six Fox, but I think that, that that's uh, probably faded away. Although not so much. Yeah, not so much. But but anyway, you've definitely got satellite. And um, there'll be a lot more of that. And you've got things like what Amazon are doing with Sidewalk. And I mean, there's a whole series of- It's Helium is another one. Helium, yeah, which is uh, linked to- Blockchain. Uh, blockchain, back. crypto. And... So the point is, there's going to be new types of proliferation. And, and our view is that the that makes the case even more that you need an, an, an abstracted not just MNO agnostic, but but radio access type agnostic yep. switch in the cloud, because because without that capability, then um, you're going to have to, as a user, plug all this stuff in and monitor it and and, and be almost like a your own telco, right? Because this stuff changes and it doesn't link together, and so. It is going to create new opportunity, new complexities, but new opportunities. Um, but I, I, I really, I like that phrase. Maybe we should finish on that phrase. So, what did you say that the the edge? Um, what was the three? Swim three? can walk and can fly. The edge can swim, walk, and fly. Okay, it's there we go. Not, I, you heard it here first. Yeah, well, it's the first time I've, I've I've used it, but it occurred to me that that's the right way to look at it. Right. And again, and I know you want to wrap up, but the. You know, the state of the art has been around a thing with a, a, a connected sensor on it, you know, a, a pipe, a gauge, a, you know, a car or whatever. But now these things, you know, have grown legs or fins or, or wings. And, you know, if, you know, you're talking, if you want to talk about like, what is the future right now for IoT, it's accommodating these movable edge sensors that provide even a greater view into the enterprise or, or into the industrial uh, environments. Uh, and, it, it, you know, again, it's, it's shipping tons of data and it's providing greater insights, which uh, ideally help people offset costs, um, save money, increase efficiency. And, you know, that's, I think, you know, what have we been doing during the COVID era? We've been coming up with, you know, additional ways to make companies more efficient so yeah. that's where i think things are headed in the in the near term and to put a bow around it one of the other things that um uh jeffrey moore proved uh as did you know lots of people like jim collins good to great and and uh clayton christiansen the innovators yep. developer, as we're talking business books is that every wave of 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 uh technology enabled business model disrupt, disruption so not the technology but the the ability for technology to enable disruption it not only created new opportunity but actually created a new set of new set of winners and losers and i think that's the, the key thing is that it, it's not automatic that the leaders of today will be the leaders of tomorrow as these capabilities suddenly become easier cheaper faster smaller and typically eight out of ten 
And a lot of data around, as you'll know from your business school uh, uh, background, eight out of 10 leaders uh, on, uh, in the previous wave are not the leaders in the, in the next wave. And in some cases, it's even higher than eight out of 10. So uh, that represents both the opportunity and the threat um, for, um, for people in the, in the, that, because uh, history says that, that um, new entrants or companies with a, a willingness to disrupt themselves are likely see this as an opportunity to uh, leapfrog. That's right. Uh, or as some people say, you overtake on the bends, not on the straights. <laughs> if when change happens, that's when people overtake. I, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we we could talk about this for hours, and indeed, in the past that we have, I know that, Mark. But um, that's true. I am hoping that people found that really interesting. We also covered a selection of business books that if people haven't read, uh, and coined a new a new phrase for the uh, uh, for the edge. And managed at some point to uh, uh, get the, the word sex therapist into this, although I can't remember for the life of you, me. You're the first, you just used sex therapist <laughs> in, in this wrap up, just for the record. I just said Dr. Ruth. <laughs> your, mind, your mind went somewhere else. I, I, I'm, it's I'm not on me. It was early in the, early in the recording. But anyway, um, listen, thanks again. Um, we, I know we're doing a lot together as the two companies, and we're proud to be your IoT connectivity partner. Um, so we look forward to um, working with a lot of clients. And I hope uh, for those of you listening, I hope you found this um, very, very um, informative. And I've uh, been talking to Mark Thurman to remind you of his role at IBM. He is the global distributed cloud and edge leader for um, IBM. And you've been uh, listening to the IoT Leaders podcast with me, your host, Nick Earl. Uh, the CEO of SI. So I uh, just want to finish by thanking you, Mark, for, for uh, coming on this uh, podcast. I look forward to my appearance on your podcast being released uh, uh, at some point and um, uh, looking forward to the cooperation and the collaboration. I think we covered some very, very interesting, uh, very interesting ground uh, during, the, during this podcast. So thanks very much. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. And uh, really appreciate the opportunity to kind of talk about my favorite topic, which is connecting things. Okay. All right. Thanks very much. And we'll talk again soon. Yes. Thanks for tuning in to IoT Leaders, a podcast brought to you by SI. Our team delivers innovative global IoT cellular connectivity solutions that just work, helping our customers deploy differentiated experiences and disrupt their markets. Learn more at SI.com. You've been listening to IoT Leaders, featuring digitization leadership on the front lines of IoT. Our vision for this podcast is to be your guide to IoT and digital disruption, helping you to plot the right route to success. We hope today's lessons, stories, strategies, and insights have changed your vision of IoT. Let us know how we're doing by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and recommending us. Thanks for listening. Until next time.